Lord, I love you. Father, I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you. Father, I love you. Yes, I love you. Lord, I love you. You get shy on me, lift your song. You got a lion inside of your lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift your song.
So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. So that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else for a king. Sip for a heart singing hallelujah, Jesus and all glory 
to your name. Oh, honor Jesus. The time the Lamb now was slain.
It's only Jesus. We lift you up, Jesus. Forever I will sing and worship my King. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and worship the King of Kings. The Lord of Lords, Jesus, our soon coming King, we worship you. We exalt the name above every name. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning to open our eyes to see and our ears to hear what you're speaking to the church in this hour. Now, Father, you promised in your word, if we would draw near to you, you will draw near to us. We're doing that just now. So we expect your presence. We expect your glory. We expect the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, Father, we thank you. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And so, Lord God, we thank you for that liberty to worship this day. We love you, Lord, and we honor you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We surrender our hearts to you this morning. Spirit, soul, and body, we present our bodies a living sacrifice to you. Receive our praise. Be glorified and be honored in this house today. We thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. You may be seated. What a beautiful week. My rhubarb's up this much and I went out yesterday and raked all the twigs off the garden it's ready to go I can't wait yeah he's got to tell it <laughs> I love to plant we'll start planting soon the early crops and then they just keep coming all summer long all summer long in Luke chapter 6 I can just read it to you verse 38 it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will it be put into your bosom? For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. If anyone would understand the principles of sowing and reaping, it should be people in the Midwest. You just have to sow the seed to get the crop in return. And last week we showed you uh, a clip from the missionary we support in Africa, Jeff Rogers. And um, we have been just sowing. We have sowed for them probably 20 years, every month, every month, every month, every month. And, you know, sometimes you just kind of take it for granted and don't think. But I've talked about this before. That few months after the flood, every time we went to the mailbox... It came back in. It talks about in Ecclesiastes, cast your bread on the water, and it will return on every wave. Every wave. 
it was coming in, coming in, and coming in until it was totally paid off, and we were so blessed. Now, Jeff Rogers' stateside administrator called this week, and he's in the States, and he, he's been sick, and we don't, she didn't say what it was. I know through the years he's had malaria at least twice. They were originally in Zimbabwe, and they had to leave there in 06, 07 because of that evil dictator, Mugabe. Their lives were endangered, and they, so they moved over to Malawi, but they still have an outreach in Zimbabwe. So last week we received an offering for them, and I said if you weren't prepared for that, that was fine. We'd do it again this week. So if you have uh, an offering that you would like to sow to that ministry on your envelopes, just put missions, and we will send him one check. I'll get it in the mail this week. And you just understand it's good soil. If you want to sow, I work at that area behind our house is all that river, and it isn't really very good soil, but we've worked it year after year after year. Every day I go out, throw my coffee grounds on it, and just fertilize it and fertilize So now the soil is so good that it produces a good harvest for us. Well, you've got men and women like Jeff and Corinne Rogers and Mike and Ethel Keys. They are good soil. So whenever you need you know, to sow, those are good opportunities because they're going to reap a good harvest for the kingdom of God and for your, you financially. So ushers, you may go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. morning we left to go to go to Lincoln and tell my sister and brother-in-law goodbye they're moving to back to Florida and I was up early in the morning to go to McDonald's to get my coffee and it was foggy did you notice that how many were up Friday morning and you could see the sun it was just a haze And um, it just was quickened to my spirit about the glory of God. 
And planet Earth is about to see and experience the glory of God. To, to, it was just a mist. And, I, you know, that was in the natural. But we've got to start seeing it by faith. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, young and old alike. But there has to be an expectation. Church will not be the same in the days ahead. You've got to put new wine into new wine skins. And there are a lot of old wine skins in the body of Christ. And we're going to have to make an adjustment in our thinking. What we desire, what we believe. You know, we come from the word of faith. And before I forget, um, Caden went down to Ramah. And we were in Lincoln, and I was sitting in the parking lot, and I got a message. His grandpa died. He was in Omaha. Well, he left. He said he'd want me to go. And sure enough, on his way, his grandpa died. So remember Caden in your prayers. But we came out of the word of faith. And there were some things that I didn't agree with. I agree with a lot of things at the word of faith. This is a word of faith church. We believe in faith. But you get into a ditch sometimes in what you believe. It's not all about prosperity. In the days ahead, it's going to be all about Jesus. And as he prospers you, those funds will be used like great men like Mike Keyes and Jeff Rogers that are working on the other side of the world. Amen? We've been on a a series and we'll be on it for a while. I might unhook for a while because of Easter. But we're talking about what? I forgot. Sound doctrine. Because you know there's a lot of Squirrely doctrine, unsound, unhealthy doctrine. And as I was sitting here this morning, the scripture was quickened to me. And this is why we're doing is we get new people in the church. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be in agreement? So you can come from. A different church, a different denomination, and you can come into a... And I realize that's an adjustment. That's a new thing. But you're learning how to be a new wineskin. That's why we're going to share with you, and I'll, I'll, this will be it for today as far as trying to give you the, the lay of foundation. Then we're going to be start going into what Harvest Church believes, the tenets of faith. There's a handout. Would you guys hand this out? You can look at this. Don't read it while you're listening to me, will you? Just one per family, please. I don't know if I made enough. This is kind of a review. Zach always reminds me if he doesn't get it. So you're getting it, Zach. Uh Uh-huh. Just for you, bud. But as, as you get that, let me read to you and just review quickly about doctrine. 
Doctrine is defined as those things that we affirm and believe to be true. Bible doctrine is God-breathed and profitable. Everyone say profitable. Profitable refers to something that is mandatory, essential, or an absolute requirement. God's Word is not an option in our life. It is mandatory. Doctrine is the foundation of what we believe. It impacts what we think. It affects our worldviews. It determines what we believe is right and wrong. It guides us in life, determines our convictions and standards, and affects all our actions and activities in life. In short, this is what I like, we are the product of our doctrine. We are the product of our doctrine. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So what you put in, what you believe, what you declare and decree is who you are. We said the acid test of a true doctrine is whether or not it is scriptural, whether it makes men love God supremely and others as themselves, and whether it glorifies God and produces peace among men. We said sound doctrine and a love of the truth is vital for the believer to stay on course spiritually. How many of you want to stay on course? A lack of discipline in applying God's truth or His Word to your life will only open the door to deception. Why are there so many people deceived? Let me say that different. How come there are so many believers deceived in this hour? You vote for Biden, you're deceived. Don't go. If I get arrested, I get arrested. I don't care. Then I'll have a jail ministry. Listen, if you voted for Biden, you are deceived. We said that deception is the first and foremost indicator that the conclusion of the age is upon us. Are there people deceived? We said a spirit is behind every prophet. The spirit of the Antichrist or the spirit of error or the spirit of God who's the spirit of truth. You and I must learn to test the spirits. This test is determined by a spirit recognizing or rejecting Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We said every genuine prophecy is a testimony of who? Jesus. So if it, if it promotes Jesus and exalts Jesus, is that God? But if it doesn't, you better stay away from it. Amen? Here are the characteristics of a false teacher. You have that, and you can look at that. They will deceive many. They will speak perverse things to build a following. There will be wolves in sheep's clothing. There will be a distortion of God's grace. Corrupt minds that resist truth. They will be proud, and they will promote strife. Amen? Now, let's go on and for by way of introduction. And if I don't get through all this, that's fine. I can always unhook. This is my favorite book. Um, this book probably affected my life other than the Bible more than anything I've ever read. And it's by David Ravenhill. How many of you know who David Ravenhill is? How many of you know who Leonard Ravenhill is? Couple. Well, David's his son. 
And he wrote this, and it's entitled The Need for Balance. So just, just bear with me and let me read this to you. There's nothing so likely to lead to error or heresy as to start with the parts rather than the whole, said Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Would that every believer understood the importance of that profound observation. Never before has the church been so bombarded with such an infinite variety of parts. A visit to the local Christian bookstore will reveal an almost limitless variety of topics, each vying for your attention and money. The shelves are sagging under the weight of new books, everything from diets to depression and fitness to faith. No wonder the average believer has little sense of direction or purpose. Ignorant of the whole purpose of God, he stands bewildered among the parts. For many, the local church has become an alternative to the country club. Not here. Amen. Everyone say, not here. Membership is easily gained through baptism and tithing. Few ever stop to ponder the reason for the church's existence. Content to attend a bare minimum of meetings, these believers settle into apathy, boredom, indifference to their true purpose and calling. As if indifference and apathy are not enough to hinder most Christians on the road to maturity, strange winds of doctrine are also blowing all around us. Every year it seems a new seminar superstar arrives center stage with his guaranteed formula for spiritual success. Backed with slick advertising, glossy manuals, and, and dynamic personalities, these self-anointed oracles of wisdom convince many immature believers that they, at long last, have discovered the answer to all believers' spiritual problems. The promised results of such programs are usually short-lived. Now listen, God never intended the part to replace the whole. If we're going to press on toward maturity... We desperately need to return to rightly dividing the word of God. Only the whole counsel of God produces whole Christians. Anything less results in spiritual deformity. Suppose someone is giving a lecture series to, to a group of students totally unfamiliar with how an automobile engine works. That would be me. But the instructor, rather than presenting an overall view, chooses to concentrate solely upon the importance of the carburetor. First, he draws a diagram showing how a carburetor operates and what function it performs. Then he spends hours explaining every detail of its makeup, from the air cleaner to the jets. Next, the instructor painstakingly describes the various types of carburetors, the one-barrel, two-barrel, four-barrel. Finally, he, close, he closes his lecture by emphasizing once again how vital the carburetor that is. After all, without it, the engine cannot possibly run. The hearers, still unfamiliar with the other components of an engine, leave the classroom preaching the gospel of the carburetor. Meanwhile, across town, other groups listen attentively to a series of lectures on the role of the spark plug. Great detail is given to its essential function. Diagrams are shown explaining exactly how the spark plug works. This lecture also closes with a strong emphasis on the vital role played by one particular part of the engine. Stressing that without the spark plug, it is powerless and unable to run. Now we have a new group proclaiming the gospel of the spark plug. 
Later, another group forms, extolling the virtues of the distributor. Not only do they claim it's absolute necessity, they also begin to preach against the carburetor and the spark plug. Sound familiar? According to them, the distributor is the one and only true gospel. Similar teaching in the body of Christ has caused believers to become unbalanced and unwise, lacking the whole counsel of God. Congregations and followings form around these various parts, convinced they have the ultimate and complete truth and shunning all who refuse to join them. Paul faced a similar situation with the Corinthians. Not only were their loyalties divided, some claiming allegiance to Paul, some to Apollos, others to Christ, but they also stressed their own particular function without regard to the other parts of the body. The eyes were proud of their insight, the hands of their service, the feet of their support. How desperately we need a new understanding of God's eternal omniscient perspective. Let me say that again. How desperately do we need a new understanding of God's eternal omniscient perspective? The church is being swamped with wave upon wave of popular appealing doctrines. Few want to hear about tribulation, discipline, sacrifice, or suffering. While the church grows fat, lazy, and indifferent to its real role in the earth, every year new advances are seen in the enemy's strategy. Islam continues to forge ahead with its militant zeal for world dominion. Cults increase, preying upon those who, thirsting for enlightenment, are content to drink from polluted springs. That's the church. Sad to say, but it's changing. I believe it's changing. There's only one part. His name's Jesus. And we need to be focused on Jesus. Yes, all of us have individual gifts and abilities. and Everyone's important to keep, to keep the engine running. But we've got to stay focused on Jesus Christ. And uh, I thought that, that brought it into perspective. Now, look in Hebrews chapter 5, would you? What constitutes true doctrine? Hebrews chapter 5. And then I'm going to read to you from the message translation also. True doctrine is foundational. Say that. True doctrine is foundational. Hebrews chapter 5, look at verse 12. It says, For by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a what? A babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Chapter 6, therefore, leaving, everyone say leaving, the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to what? What's your Bible say? Perfection, if you look in the margin, what's it say? Let us go on to maturity. So we could say like title of the book I just read from you, it's entitled For God's Sake, Grow Up. Let's move on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. This is the message translation. I have a lot 
a lot more to say about this, but it is hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you should be teachers yourselves. Yet here again, I find you, I, you have need of someone to sit down with you and go over the basics on God again, starting from square one, baby's milk. When you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature who have some practice in telling them right from wrong. So come on. Let's leave the preschool finger painting exercises on Christ and get on with the grand work of art. Grow up in Christ. The basic foundational truths are in place. Turning your back on salvation by self-help, turning in trust toward God, baptismal instructions, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. God helping us will stay true to all that, but there's so much more. Let's get on with it. Say this with me. There's so much more. Um, we were listening to Wanda Elder. Do you remember that? And she talked about systems and how the church in general has been so bound in systems. Amen. Entertainment, this, you know, educational, the government, the whole thing. Systems that. It's like we've been hoodwinked. We have no idea that our God is a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we might ask or think. According to his power that works mightily within us. There's so much more for the church. But it requires you and I to grow up. Amen? Amen. There's a scripture. You don't need to turn there. Um, Let me say this. To make the statement, because this is important. We're talking about what constitutes true doctrine. It's foundational. Listen to this statement. Foundations are to be laid once and then built upon. Foundations are laid to build once and then built upon. You know, there's a foundation here in this church. This was a truck line. This is where they had pits and they serviced the semis right here and on the other side. Doesn't look like that now, does it? And we had to fill in those holes. It's the same foundation. But you know a lot's changed since we purchased this property many years ago. We've built upon it. We've remodeled it. But the foundation's the same. See, it's that way spiritually. In 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. There's no other foundation That should be under our feet other than Jesus Christ, the living word of God. That's the foundation and that's what we built upon. Your life and my life begins on a foundation of Jesus Christ. Or can I say it this way, the new birth. The new birth. How many of you are born-again believers? Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. Okay. That's the foundation. But do you know how many believers, well-meaning good people out there, live their whole Christian life and all they know is the new birth? Awful quiet in this Baptist church. All they're familiar with is being born again. And thank God, that's the main thing. 
Yes, we need to be born again. We, we want to spend all eternity with Jesus. But there is so much more. Say that. There's so much more. And that's what he's basically saying here. Matthew Henry says it this way. In order for Christians to grow, they must leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Now, I know that gets your attention. That doesn't sound right, but let me finish. In order for Christians to grow, they must leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ. They must not lose them. They must not despise them. They must not forget them, but they must not rest in them. They must not be always laying the foundation. They must go on and build upon it. In order to grow and mature, they must be able to digest stronger meat. Spiritual growth is the surest way to prevent apostasy from the faith. Now, let me read that again. Don't let that go over your head. Spiritual growth is the surest way to prevent apostasy from the faith. Why do you suppose the body of Christ in general, and thank God, everyone say, thank God for the remnant church. There's always a remnant. But what I just don't understand, and I have to guard my heart, because if I don't guard my heart, it's going to affect my life. I don't understand how the church in general could vote the way they voted in this last election when it comes to children and babies. Bottom line, I don't get it. But so many Christians, they just decide they're going to stay on the street called comfortable. Don't want to ruffle any feathers. We're just going to drive down the street in our cars wearing our masks. Even if we're alone. And they do. And they're deceived. Listen, if you're new here, you're going to like me or not. That's just the way it is. Because I'm, I'm type A, it's black or white, just the way it is. So why my, why my church isn't a church of three or 400 people, I guess. I don't know. This is a different area of the country. But I'm saying to you, you can stay on the street called comfortable if you want to. Or let's call it the street called indifferent. Or call it apathetic. If you want to just stay in your spiritual zone and be content... I'm born again. When I die, I'm going to heaven. You know what that is? That's selfish. That's nothing but selfishness. Concerned about getting to heaven. What about all the people that are dying and going to hell? What about them? How are they going to get Christ and receive Christ and be born again if people like us don't get out there? And tell them the good news of the gospel. God, it's quiet. It's the truth. What constitutes true doctrine? It's foundational. 
And that's the reason the church is in the condition that it's in right now, because it didn't care. And they would rather follow the leader than be a leader. It's the truth. We're called to lead. Now, we're all in different capacities as leaders, but, you know, amen? There are six foundational do- doctrines found here in Hebrews 6. I'll go through these quickly, and we'll probably touch on them more in depth in the future. Repentance from dead works. You can find this in, in Hebrews 6. Repentance from dead works. Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing that a man is not justified or declared righteous by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. The law was given to lead us to Christ. Faith accepts salvation as a free gift. So, and then the next one, faith towards God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone anyone should boast. So you and I can't get to heaven by our good works, can we? It's just by personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He needs to be your Lord and Savior. So, Repentance from dead works and faith toward God go together. Number three, there's doctrine of baptisms. I'll be nice. I won't, I won't get off on, on a tangent. Maybe I will. Have I ever been nice? I think I have. There's, you know there's a number of baptisms in the Bible? The baptism of John was a baptism of what? Repentance. Then there's the baptism into the body of Christ, and you're born again. There's water baptism. What's water baptism? I'm, I, I don't know what water baptism is. I was raised Methodist. She is raised Methodist. I was never, I was never baptized by submersion until I went to Bible school. Were you? We were... We went to, went to the church we were going to. We were water baptized at Yandian's church, weren't we? Yeah. There's nothing in the Bible about sprinkling. There's nothing in the Bible about infant baptism. Whew. I'm going to stand right here and hide behind my podium. Sacred cows, folks. What's the Bible say about baptism? What's another one? Holy Spirit baptism. See, at Harvest Church, we speak in tongues. Then there's baptism with fire. We need the fire. I got the fire. I want to stay lit. That is, that is right. <laughs> Remember, I'm from the 70s. There's the laying on of hands. There's another. Why do you lay hands on people? Number one, what did Jesus do? Suffer the little children. Let the little children come. Bless the children. Amen. For ministry, when you're set apart for ministry... Then when you receive the, the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit with your, with your prayer language and receive the gift of tongues, it's through the laying on of hands. Then what's one other big one for laying on of hands? Healing. 
Then there's the resurrection of the dead. That's the resurrection of all people in the last days. Then there's eternal judgment. The final judgment in which, in which the wicked dead will be raised and judged according to their works. Believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Do you know, did you, did you stop and think we're all going to stand before the judgment seat? For what we've done in this body, good and bad. Amen? So, these are things that we need to realize there's more. And I'm not, my God, let's start with the being born again. That's, that's important because in the next, in the days ahead, weeks ahead, months ahead, I believe we're going to see a great influx of people into the body of Christ. A great harvest of souls. Well, we're going to have to train them. Timothy. Where's my other Timothy? Yeah, he is. There's two Timothys. What's Timothy mean? What? One who honors God. See, I, I've been thinking about the future for you too. You're going to be instrumental in helping these young sheep. Because you have a heart. Your, your names really fit the Bible called Timothy. We're going to need people to take these young Christians, these new believers, and put your arm around them and love on them and encourage them and build them up and show them in the Scriptures what the Word of God says about that. We all need to be to do that, but I'll tell you what, churches need Timothys. It's a pastoral-type gifting. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you the pastor, so don't get all sweated. Don't get all nervous, Barney Fife. Don't get nervous. There are four basic... I'm just giving you overview, and I'm about done. Four basic doctrines of Jesus Christ. Number one, Jesus is the Savior of mankind. Number two, Jesus is the great physician. Number three, Jesus baptizes his followers with the Holy Spirit and endues them with power for service and jesus number four is the soon coming king who will rule and reign in righteousness as the king of kings and the lord of lords four basic things right there look at mark one mark chapter one what what was um the doctrine of jesus how how was it so different than the pharisees and the sadducees i'll show you in mark chapter one Look at verse 21. And this is, this is a really a, a picture of what the church should be. Because we have the authority of Christ. It says in verse 21, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. You notice it says, Immediately he went in the Sabbath. On the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and prophesied. Laid hands on the sick. Cast out that, what did he do? He taught. All begins with teaching, the right doctrine. And they were astonished at his teaching. Why? For he taught them as having, one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. 
And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And then they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What new doctrine or teaching is this? For with what? Authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. Micah said he had a dream the other night. We were in the garage, weren't we? And some weird woman came in. I don't know what you said about her. She was just kind of creepy. You know. And Micah said, I cast the devil out of her. I like those kind of dreams. It didn't been better if you'd done it. But that's where the church is coming. Either we believe it. Or we pretend we know something about it. Or we don't believe it. It's coming down to the rubber meets the road. Amen? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm cast out a devil. How, you remember what I told you? What are the three things to tell whether it's God or the devil? You remember the sermon? If it's, if it's the flesh, what will it do? Make you sick if it's a move of the flesh. If it's the devil, what will it do? Make the hair stand on the back of your neck. If it's God, peace. Remember that. Amen. So here you see the authority that Jesus flowed in. You know, he was different than the religious leaders of the day because he backed up his word. There was authority in his words. Should it be that way for the church? Look at Mark 16. You're in that chapter. Look at the end of the chapter. Later he appeared, verse 14 of the 11, as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow only the preacher. Oh, I'm sorry. And these signs will follow those who what? Believe. In my name they will what? Cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and what? Preached everywhere. Think it was good doctrine? Yeah, they preached the gospel. The Lord working with them and confirmed. Confirming the word through the accompanying signs. That should be the church. That should be you. That should be me. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't raised that way. <laughs> it's funny, even in a full gospel church, people sit in the same chair in the same section every week. And I've got a new policy. If I see it, I'll make you move. Ron, you're up front from now on. What'd you say? 
Don't make me get the Clint Eastwood twitch. I'll close with this, and you don't have to turn the scriptures. I'll give you the review. It'll be written down. Here's Christians' attitude towards sound doctrine. Number one, they should obey it. Say obey it. Number two, they should receive it. Say receive it. Number three, hold fast. Number four, adorn. Adorn good doctrine. So if you put that confession, let's stand to our feet this morning. My wife always has to put me in my place. She's the one that keeps me humble and angry. No. I want you to understand, when I was at um, Hank and Brenda's last fall for that, it was a powerful meeting with Dutch Sheets and Chuck Pierce, and the thing that came through prophetically was how this, this year the church really needs to declare and decree and speak things out. If you got the little book by Brenda Kuhneman, and if you don't have it, you need to get it. Well, I know we're out of it. It's, it's daily declarations. And what I want to do is, I don't know if we'll get it done every, every week, but we've got to start speaking the word. If you want to see something to come, come to pass, it all begins with the spoken word first. In the beginning, you have to declare and decree a thing. So let's do that. The presence of the Lord follows me, is here with me and upon me. I am divinely begin to set up to prosper and succeed. I am covered by God's mighty angelic forces and delivered daily from every arrow of the enemy. I decree that I receive answers to important questions, concerns, and thoughts. Jesus Christ is made wisdom unto me. Say, I don't know what to do. Jesus Christ is made wisdom unto you. Amen. Is there anyone here today, your sick in body, need prayer for your body? Are you all healthy? Are you all wealthy? Are you, you don't even know? You're all wise. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. Amen. Well, I have one thing for you to do this week. Be the church. Be the church. Be a witness. Amen. Done? God bless you. Be an overcomer this week. Thank you.